Welcome back to uh, G5 Football Daily, the podcast. Joe Londrigan of Athlon Sports. Excited to chat with you all again. Um, we got a couple different things on this episode. Um, this is another one where we were working on some stuff about realignment. Uh, obviously, we're still waiting to kind of figure out what happens to the four remaining schools from the, the Pac-12 fallout. Will they go to the American? Will they go to the Mountain West? Who knows at this point, but, you know, I'm kind of surprised we haven't gotten a resolution to that yet, but all that to say, this episode's a little more cobbled together than some of the other ones. Um, Just some bits of Eric Henry and myself, once again, talking about a few different things from over the summer in the G5 football world. Um, We talk a little USFL and kind of the benefits of those spring leagues. Uh, we do talk a little bit about the transfer portal and the NIL with the with the context of new UAB head coach Trent Dilfer and um, him making his opinions known about it over the last couple of months. I don't have anything against Trent Dilfer, but watching him adjust to being a Division One college coach is, is going to be interesting. And I think he's at a great place to do it, honestly, at UAB. Such a good program, such a good fan base, but you know. A good conversation there, nonetheless. Um, And then, our guest, we're going to be joined by Florida International University's uh, Associate AD for uh, Brand Development, Dan Forsella. And the point of that convo is going to be about the Vice jerseys and talking about getting that campaign going and just building excitement around, you know, that program and all these local kids and... It, it was it was a fun few minutes there. So if you're kind of a nerd about uniforms and that kind of stuff, then you'll probably like it. But uh, all right, let's jump into it. Bringing back my good friend, frequent collaborator, uh, and just good looking man all around which is great to know for an audio format, but which is why we had to get some video going this time around. Uh, Eric Henry of uh, Horns 247 and 247 Sports. Extensive G5 football knowledge, and we're going to put it to work today. How you doing, bud? Joe, anytime you are plugging my good looks, I am never going to complain. I greatly appreciate that. I hope uh, the lovely Samantha is not jealous of the fact that you're plugging my good looks. Um, I don't know if I've heard you plug her good looks on the pod, so I'm just going to take that as a feather in my cap and say thank you, sir. I am doing <laughs> well. Uh, it is a, another phenomenal day covering college football. And I'm always honored that I can come on and chop up a little bit here in the G5 realm with you, my friend. Listen, my wife watched me eat Panda Express for breakfast this morning. She thinks what she thinks at this point. There's not, There's not a whole lot of rebuilding that can be done if it needs it, but I think we're fine. It's, it's a great line, sir. It's a great line. That's why I'm wearing the Hawaiian shirt. It's not left over from our Hawaii season preview. This is just what fits right now. Oh, man. So this episode is going to be more of just like some uh, some news and notes, some tidbits from around the G5 that we wanted to, to kick around. And, um, you know, Eric, let, let's start here. Uh, a guy that you covered quite a bit at FIU was just named the USFL MVP. Alex Magoo uh, looked great for the Birmingham Stallions alongside another name that uh, Conference USA folks are going to recognize and Skip Holtz. So congratulations to him. And Eric, what's your take on uh, a guy you've covered quite a bit getting this major award? 
covered. Uh, Alex Magoo was a freshman when I was a senior at Gaither High School. He's a product of Gaither High School. So I, I am very familiar with Alex Magoo. Of course, his brother Shane as well, former FIU Panther, both uh, Gaither High greats and FIU Panther greats. In relation to Alex, no, I mean, congrats to him. Magoo, again, I've seen the guy play since he was a freshman. He's always looked the part of better than the rest. And I think this happens to a lot of players. And I think, Joe, I'm definitely curious your thoughts. This is one of the great things about a league like the USFL and the XFL and others. It gives some of those guys who, how can I say this? Joe, you played football. You, at every level, there are kids who are just better than the rest. Pee wee football, middle school, high school, and college. And that better than the rest is always very easy to do. Like, it's very clear to see and then you get to the nfl and it's the best of the best and some guys just quite aren't that you know making the 53-man roster especially as a quarterback is magoo one of the best 96 quarterbacks in the world if he's not he's 85 through 100 right and i think that's a very weird place to live as a quarterback right because you can only play so many only carry so many so i'm only saying all that is to say i'm not stunned that alex magoo balled out and won the, the um, USFL MVP. He ran, and you can look up his combine numbers. I believe Magoo did go to the combine or pro day. Uh, he's, Magoo should have ran 4-7, uh, if not sub 4-7, 40-yard dash, 6-3, put on some frame, some, some um, weight on his frame, so about 2 210, 215, as opposed to being the 180-pound kid he was out of high school. Looks every bit of an NFL quarterback. Uh, I think, again, it, and for anyone who didn't know his career at FIU, it's very up and down the first three years. Ron Turner, Steve Shankweiler, yeah, Steve, Steve Shankweiler from ECU, then to, then to um, no, no, from FIU to ECU, uh, was the offensive coordinator, just didn't go well. Uh, his final year, he gets tutored by Rich Skrosky. Rich Skrosky has a, you know, a very long track record of tutoring quarterbacks, whether it's been Alex Magoo, um, James Morgan, you can go back to Coach Skrowski's time, you know, even before then, some of the quarterbacks he's worked with. And it really prepared Alex for the next level and got him to get the most out of it, got the most out of him for a senior year. And, you know, Magoo spent a few years with the Seattle Seahawks. Um, uh, so we'll have to see if he can really, you know, kind of rebound and get a shot in the league. I, in my mind, I certainly think he should. Anyone who watched USF, USFL football this year saw he was head and shoulders, clear cut above everyone else as far as talent. Um, I would have Joe like a four or five touchdown game the other day. Um, can still move, so yeah, just you know, uh, forgive me on, on the you know, you said I didn't have to go too deep, and I just gave like the entire history of Alex Magoo's football career, but um, definitely think he's a guy, and I think that applies to a lot of the players we see in the XFL, in the XFL, the UXFL, and USFL. Um, who if they're not amongst like the best two or three deep in their position, they're like right there in that next group, and that always kind of makes it kind of a weird spot to keep. I love how many opportunities there are for G5 and FCS guys to to get, you know, their professional opportunity now. Watch the USFL, watch the XFL, watch the CFL if you like football, because ultimately that's where you're going to see a lot of these G5 guys uh, really get the chance to show what they're fully capable of. With that, let's talk about some other uh, less, I don't want to say less happy, but I think we have some uh, some opinions to, to work out and uh, what better way to do that than in a public forum like a podcast. Uh, let's start with uh, some comments made by UAB's head coach, uh, Trent Dilfer. This is from uh, the Rick and Bubba show in 
Birmingham, of course, right there in UAB's backyard. Uh, Coach Stilfer, pretty confident in, A, his ability to, to maintain players and seems pretty annoyed with the current state of the transfer portal, i.e. coaches trying to poach talent from other schools. And Eric, I'll admit you've done the bulk of the research on this particular segment, so I'll toss it to you and, and would love for you to tell me what you think of this uh, this saga going on right now. Well, yeah, Joe, I mean, you kind of hit the nail on the head. It pretty much summarized it uh, um, fairly well as far as Trent Dilfer's comments saying, you know, I dare coaches to slide into my players' DMs. I dare you. Him talking about the fact that he still has friends at ESPN and he'll text them and expose these coaches who slide into his players' DMs. And the fact that he's not angling for another P5 job. He's looking to live in Birmingham. Of course, Trent Dilfer made his home in Nashville coaching high school football in the Nashville suburbs. So from Nashville to Birmingham, Joe, I can let you look it up as I'm talking, but I'm going to guess that that is about a six or seven hour drive. That's, that's a guess um, from where Birmingham is. Yeah. So, I mean, it's still, you know, it's, it's in a neck of the woods that he considers home, right? Um, Trent Dilfer, for a um, uh, former first round pick of Tampa Bay Buccaneers. I'm very familiar with Trent Dilfer because he was the first quarterback I remember growing up watching football. So this is, right on par for Trent Dilfer. He was always a fiery guy, fiery competitor. And we've seen some of that come out. Joe remember a few years ago on the sideline when he got in the face of one of his players. We've seen that come out. I mean, he's always a very fiery guy, even going back to his years at Fresno State. I can appreciate this. Uh, and we talked about, uh, before we are taping Joe, Mike McIntyre, I want to say it was a few days before Trent Dilfer made these comments, just had a tweet that said, tampering, in all caps, with the eyes emoji, right? No context given. I can appreciate Trent if he says he is going to start calling out coaches by name because that, in my mind, is that going to curb G5, B5 coaches sliding into G5 players' DMs? No, it's not. But if you're going to make the accusation, at least put a name on it. In my mind, I think that is the responsible thing to do because if you're just saying tampering, there's no respect to Coach McIntyre, obviously. I have a relationship with Coach McIntyre, and, and if you know Coach Mac, I mean, that's just not – He's not really a guy who's going to make a lot of headways when it comes from a coaching family. It's just not really his style. Um, but I do think for the effect, you got to be a little more forceful. However, where I I <laughs> found it funny and found it interesting, I would like your thoughts, Joe, is if Trent Dilfer thinks that him running around trying to be Billy Badass and, you know, you know the, the, the big bad wolf is going to scare coaches from sliding his players dms have got another thing coming you will lose players at g5 level because you are coaching at the g5 level that is how this works that is not a shot at the group of five level that is and i will be very adamant about this i wrote this four years ago that with the transfer portal with the way some things would seemingly work out you're going to have, I don't want to say a farm system because, I mean, that it, it sucks to hear it that way, but you're going to have schools that are going to get poached. You are in Alabama. Alabama is a very fair recruiting ground. I would say you're going to have a very similar issue to like an FIU, which is, which is this. Um, you will have to take players at the G5 level who may not be ready for prime time, who may not be ready for P5 schools. And that's why they end up at group of five schools for a, and for a myriad of reasons. And you will coach them for two years and you will have them in a college weight program and they will develop. And guess what? 
those same P5 programs who were probably, you know, had their eyes on them and decided, oh, we're going to pass on that kid, that three-star Joe, because that's the difference between those three-star kids, kind of fringe three-star, and the ones who excel up to four, right, is they end up at G5 level, and they pass on them for whatever reason. Maybe it's think they just don't have – we've heard Tyson Helton talk about this. Maybe they don't have the investment. Maybe they're coming off of a six and seven or a seven and six year, and they need a player can, can, who can contribute immediately. So they go to the transfer portal and grab a senior from somewhere else as opposed to recruiting that player out of high school. You know what happens in two years when they've got a need, they're going to take your players. So I'm saying this to Trent Dilfer. I hope you are focused on A, trying as best you can to retain your roster, but really like you can only do that to a certain extent. More importantly, I hope you're focused on, you have NFL experience, you've been in the pros, turning over your roster each and every year understanding that you will have to treat this like free agency, like roster management, because if you're not, you're going to get left behind. There's no two ways about it. All those coaches, Joe, and you and I have covered college football uh, for the past how many years now, right? And we've done it in the it's smack dab in the middle of the transfer portal, like Advent era NIL. We don't have to call, out, call any coaches out by name, but you can find a link between the coaches who have said, hey, I am anti-NIL, anti-transfer portal, such and such. And it's taken them a little while longer than the other ones who were like, okay, this is the game. It's here. It's upon us. I got to start figuring out how I'm going to manage this as best I can, as opposed to trying to coach it the other way, because you're not going to be able to resist it. I had two, not counterpoints. Um, what's the word? Points that I wanted to also iterate on this subject. One, you're absolutely right. Coaches get poached from every single program. Like the University of Alabama has trouble, you know, retaining players that they want to keep for, you know, whatever reason they think they can continue to develop them into a starter two, three years down the road. But they're going to continue to lose players to programs that are going to give them an immediate opportunity. That is going to happen regardless. And it's not something that's unique to UAB is what I want to say. If a coach really wants your player and that player really wants out for one reason or another, they're going to go, right? You can't really do much about that one way or the other. <clears throat> that's just the era of college football we're in at the moment. Also, anytime you start a new job, and I say this in terms of the dynamic between coaches, um, the dynamic between coaches and players is different, obviously. When you come in and try to be the high-energy, fire-and-brimstone kind of guy, that can work with players. I don't know that it's necessarily going to work in terms of building up your reputation and building your relationships with other coaches in this field. I am reminded of a young Lane Kiffin in some ways. When he was at Tennessee calling out, uh, the Florida Gators for supposed recruiting violations on uh, high school prospects that he was also in the market for. And I think we can both agree things didn't work out in the immediate future thereafter for Coach Kevin. Is he on the right track now? Absolutely. Fantastic uh, offensive mind. But you don't want to set yourself up uh, for a road back before you even start, really. Because keep in mind, this is Trent Dilfer's first head coaching job at the college ranks. And he was only a high school coach for about three years prior. So not how I would have started my uh, my college coaching tenure either, I will say. Well, I'll say this, and to be fair to him, because I agree with you, right? 
not saying you got to go out there and be best friends with everybody, but I, I wouldn't have necessarily, you know, gone about that way. But to be fair to Trent, he did say, I'm not here to be friends with these coaches. I'm not here to go anywhere else. So he's just going to build his little cocoon in Birmingham and ride or die with it. Great. Rough Rider circa 1999, Eve, DMX, Kiss. I'm with you. Ride or die. I'm with it. Do it, Trent. I just hope you realize you better be prepared to turn over your roster. That's all I'm going to say. And the last thing is this, Joe, and this is the point I want to emphasize as well, because you talked about it. Player wants out. They're going to find out, find a way out. Um, If, if, if uh, a coach wants to slide in and and offer players NIL, they're going to be able to do that. Trent Dilfer, according to sport tracks. uh, Yeah. I got it here. Actually, now this might be, I think this is a hero sport. No, sport tracks, sport tracks. That's what it is. Um, and I think the number might be a little bit higher. I, I don't know. Trent Dilfer was the fifth overall pick, sixth overall pick in 1994. So maybe you can look up what that contract was. But they said Trent Dilfer's career earnings were $14 million. I think they, I think Trent played a little while in the league. So I think he earned a little bit more than that. And I'm sure he was earning nice money at, at, at ESPN. And his contract uh, at UAB is a five-year deal, which is paying him $1.3 annually, $1.3 million. You feel that strongly? Put your money where your mouth is. Go create an NIL fund with your own with, with your own money. You won't have any issues. I'll just leave it at that. Uh, yeah, rookie contract uh, for Trent Dilfer at Tampa, ninety four to two thousand one. Eight year, sixteen point five mil with the Bucks included a four point five mil signing bonus. Average annual salary of just under two point one mil. Yeah, so I'm sure so that's Trent the money. Yeah, I'm sure he earned more than $14 million playing football. Like that, that's because he, he played six, seven more years after that, that uh after getting cut into 1999. After getting cut in 1999. Totally. And he, he won a and he won a Super Bowl as right. in uh in Baltimore with that one year contract. So I mean that alone is worth however much in endorsements, autographs, that sort of thing. But yeah, Trent Dilfer not hurting, not hurting for the bread. Has the keys to the bakery, which is the 136 Mafia reference. I haven't messed up in my career as a podcaster, and I'm going to milk it till I die. I love it, sir. I love it. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, for this next bit, going to do something a little different, but... uh... Promise you it's going to be fun here. We're going to talk about the FIU Vice Jerseys with Senior Associate AD for Brand Advancement at Florida International University, Daniel Forsella. Dan, we really appreciate you coming on and making time for us today. No problem. Thank you guys for having me. Yeah, of course, man. So just to start off with, you want to walk us through a little bit, um, just kind of what your day-to-day role is like at FIU? Yeah, for sure. Um, so in my role as Senior Associate AD for Brand Advancement, I oversee all of our marketing, communications, creative, and broadcasting. So um, I have a bunch of people that I'm overseeing, helping out sometimes in the day-to-day, uh, more so than I'd like sometimes. But um, but yeah, overseeing all those areas and making sure we're trying to build the brand um, here at FIU Athletics and getting people to to know us and, and see us and, and be excited about what we're doing, which is why we're talking about vice uniforms today. <laughs> Fantastic. So, you know, I know you were a big part of the whole ideation process uh, along with, you know, FIUAD for uh, football operations, Ryan Webb, 
uh, Johnson McIntyre, uh, Ricky Walterman, as well as the uh, the folks over at Adidas. So uh, can you kind of walk me through that process of like how this concept kind of started? I know you guys have done this before, but like what was the uh, the difference in how you approached it this year? Yeah, so um, I'll start by saying I think it, it came about um, from two different directions. So I, I know that probably even before I got here, um, when Coach Mack first got here and, and former um, equipment manager Ricky Walterman, um, I'm sure they had ideas of potentially doing something like this. Um, they did the Miami Lights um, way back when they played uh, Miami and, and beat Miami. I think that was 2019, um, where it was like the pink and yellow and, and kind of look. So they've had these th- these thoughts before, but I came from my UCF background where we did the space uniforms um, and and had so much success with them. So, so I've always had that on my mind. Um, and when I first got here and I was talking with my staff, um, whether it's be marketing and creative about, you know, what are the different things we're going to do game by game with football? Are there any cool ideas that we can think of for theming, just general theming of our games? And obviously one of the first things that came up was Vice being here in Miami. Um, the Heat has had so much success with it. And, and we're like, okay, cool. But it's August. And we don't have enough time to do anything um, like a uniform. So we can order decals. We can throw some on the helmet. And we're doing this new cool thing where we're painting the field with a different design every game because we're the only school in the country that's doing that. That's pretty cool. Um, So why don't we paint the vice colors for the vice game? That might make some noise. And that blew up um, way more than really we thought it would. and, and we did, you know, our graphics and vice colors and all that cool stuff, um, wore the pink accessories. And as soon as that field design blew up the way that it did with the national attention it got, and, you know, it had like, you know, 150,000 views in 24 hours, which was one of our biggest posts in the previous two years at the time. Um, we immediately were like, okay, that seals the deal. We got to do vice uniforms next year. So that's when the process starts of, all right, let's start getting together with football and with equipment and with Adidas and start coming up with a design. So the people that you mentioned were involved in, in helping design what we were going to do, um, making sure everything passed all our brand standards and, um, you know, the colors were going to pop on the uniform and everything like that. So that's kind of where it started um, from. And, and we went from there and, and it was a long process of making sure we, we knew what we were going to do with the uniform itself, where the money was going to come from, um, when we were going to get them, how we were going to release them, and, and then it leads us all the way up to to this summer and our plan to to unveil the uniforms. I guess I had a, a fun reveal video this year that had you know Coach Mac featured in it. Had some uh, some awesome you know Lamborghinis I saw in there as well. Um, how did the you know process for making that part of the marketing push this season come to pass? Yeah, so um, so that's where where it then becomes all right. This is. Me and, um, you know, my football creative guy, Hunter Du Bois, um, getting together and, and figuring out what our plan is to release this, right? So um, we had high aspirations for what we were going to do with the video. At one point, it was probably going to end up being a lot longer than it, en- it ended up. Um, and the, the coach, Mac Keezer, that we, that we put out the morning of the release with him on the beach um, was going to be part of the original video. Um, and we we're going to have some other things um, involved there, including like a time lapse from going to day to night because coach's part was in the morning and, and things like that. But 
ultimately we ended up being like, no, we've got to keep it quick and short and get to the uniform as fast as we can. So we also had this idea of, all right, we need to we need to get a cool car. We need to figure out a way that we could do this. Like that was one of the things about Miami Vice. Yes, Sonny Crockett drove a Ferrari, not a Lamborghini, but like I only have so many connections, right? So we we ended up being able to get a Lamborghini for the shoot. Hunter um was able to find the locations he wanted to do it in. Um and and it all stemmed from that of, all right, let's just make this cool-looking video. The uniform's cool. The car's cool. Um, let's just get him in it, keep the uniform until the end when he's stepping out, and then show off the uniform the best we can and take a whole bunch of cool pictures, tell the story of why we're doing this, and and showcase it you know, to the nation in, in the best way that we can. And the big important thing for me was to showcase why we're doing this. That's why you see in the photo story, and some of the infographics that we did of of what this uniform is and why we're doing a Vice-themed uniform is because we're here in Miami, and, and Miami Vice was, was in Miami, and, and it helped revitalize the city and, and was a big reason why the culture is the way it is and why if you ask them kid right now what Vice means that's maybe 22 years old and lives in Florida, they might say, oh, yeah, like the pink and blue instead of, you know, what vice really means, which is, you know, bad habit or, what, you know, uh, negative connotation sort of thing. So, um, so we, we understood that the, the idea of doing something Miami Vice related was very important to us because of, of where we are and in, in, in the city that we're in um, and to kind of show that we're not just doing this because it's cool. We're also doing this because we're in Miami. Miami Vice was in Miami. We want to make that connection very clear. So that kind of leads into my next question. Do you feel like this initiative is resonating with uh, students, not just the student athletes, but FIU students in general, since it is a reference to, you know, an older show, although you mentioned that, you know, the heat have kind of played off of this concept before and, and whatnot. Yeah. Yeah. I think that's a great part of it, right? I think it's, I think it's cross-generational appeal here. I think our older fans that they grew up, you know, or, or were in college in the eighties, um, are, are really excited about the connection and, and might get a little bit more excited if we continue to go down this road and, 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 sh you know, showcase more of the actual show down the line, which is, might be in our plan. Um, but like you said, I think the current students, you know, they love it because they see the heat do it. It's, it's not just the show. It's what the show um, built in Miami. There's a reason why the colors are still a big part of the city because of what the show did. And that's how the, the kids now understand it. They're like, Oh yeah, that's just the Miami look. That's the Miami feel. So they get it. It's cool to them. The older people get it because they have fond memories of the show. Um, so yeah, I think that's the best part about it is that it, it's, it's great for everyone involved. Is there a reaction from an individual person or just an individual reaction in general? That's been your favorite uh, with regards to the Jersey so far? Yeah, for sure. Um, Andy Staples on his, his show um, saying how they were better than the UCS space uniforms. That's definitely my favorite reaction. Uh, I can reason. see that. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, for sure. And, you know, I'm sure that there's a lot of people in Florida like like Eric Henry who, who has ties to, to both schools. So I'll, I'll pass yeah, it to you, Eric, I'd, on I'd this. Like to hear Eric, I'd like to hear Eric's opinion on which, which you like better. Yeah, what, what's your take, bud? Well, since I am no longer covering FIU, I, I guess um, I can give an unbiased opinion. I, 
You know what? I, I was never actually a giant fan of the uh, the space unis, Dan. Um, I, I am a big uh, fan of the black and gold of the, the old school knights uniforms. So I, I will give the nod to the vice uniforms. You, you got it there. Let's but, go. <laughs> let, me, let me exactly. Let me jump in here with a couple quick questions for me. We'll get you out of here. Um, yeah. Dan, FIU historically has you know kind of struggled to to build a bond between you know athletics and and the alumni and fan base. I'm just wondering, what's the reaction you've kind of seen now, uh, roughly a year into your role, and, and how do things like this and the bias uniforms help um, build that bond that uh, that may be a work in progress? Yeah, I think anything we can do like this that gets our fans excited is is a success, right? Like, yeah, obviously we need to continue to build on it, but um, we saw success this spring with our, our pause up tour events um, that we partnered with alumni on, um, that we went up to Orlando. We did one here in Miami at Beat Culture, uh, and then we did one up in Fort Lauderdale. Um, I, I think we saw a lot of success with that. We saw people that were excited to see a bunch of our coaches out on the road um, and get to hear from Coach Mack and Scott Carr. And um, I think a lot of people are just excited about what they hear from from the leaders of our programs. Um, but then also things like this, like to, to see that, that we're excited to do new and cool stuff, I think is going to continue to get people excited. You obviously saw it. And, a lot of the comments um, from FIU alums and fans in, in every which way that, that they're, they're excited about this. And, and we just need to keep building on that. We need to continue that momentum, you know, which hopefully leads to wins on the field and people can keep getting excited about that and, um, and we'll go from there. But as long as we keep, you know, making it fun for fans, that's, that's the main goal. We want to make sure that we have a great product on the field and we make everything about game day experience extremely exciting and fun for them. Um, and part of that is going to be, you know, uniforms like this and, and fun reveals and getting, getting them excited about game days. Two more and we'll get you out of here. Uh, just kind of piggybacking off of that question, Dan, uh, can you talk about how, you, again, you, you mentioned getting a, such a national reaction, not just a reaction locally in South Florida and going back to your time at UCF, you obviously know the importance of, of building a brand that's not just regional, but national. Can you kind of talk about, again, just kind of the efforts of, of how you guys are trying to do that and how important it is for FIU to be known, not only uh, locally as a school that, you know, many people may not know as over 55, I believe over 60,000 students at this point, but, you know, getting a, a national um, a national name as well. Yeah, I mean, we're going to keep trying to do that um, in the traditional media sense, in the social, in the social space. But, um, but, but I think one of the big things that's, that's helped, honestly, and is going to help this next upcoming year is the new, the new TV deal. I think, I think um, the new deal with ESPN and, and being on, um, getting back on, you know, some big channels, like we're playing home game on ESPN too. I know a lot of teams around the league, but I think getting a little bit more of that national exposure and having people see the cool stuff that we're doing, I mean, there's, it's not a coincidence that we chose October 11th on ESPN2 for, for the Vice game um, so we can have a national audience talking about us, seeing what we're doing, you know, hopefully we win um, and continue to do stuff like that. But, yeah, it's, it's, it's going to take a lot of effort, obviously, which is why we're doing things like this. We're trying to do as many things like this as possible to get people talking about us. Um, I think I saw one headline that was like, and we're not going to talk about FIU football often, but here we are talking about them right now. It's like, yeah, that's the point, right? Like we need to continue to do things like this so that people are talking about us on a national stage. And then when we do, you know, start, we do start winning even more so than we, we, we did and have, then people are remembering like, oh yeah, they're winning and they do that cool stuff that we saw before. So I think it all goes hand in hand to the point where we keep doing the things that we, we, 
that we can to, to get people talking about us. And then once all the winning starts to come, it's, it's going to be um, doubling down. Final question for you, Dan. Uh, for listeners who are now, you know, kind of finding this podcast, you may not know in our previous you know, incarnation, we like to end the podcast with a fun question for our listeners. So now the Braun Athlon Sports going to try to, you know, get the uh, the fan base uh, up to speed on this. Dan, in the old Conference USA, your first year being with FIU last year, what was your favorite uh, road destination and why? And which destination in the new Conference USA are you looking forward to visiting the most and why? Oh, um, good question. What was my favorite destination in the old CUSA? So we, um, you know, only have been here for one season, one football season. We, how many road games did we play? Four. Um, so we went to Western, we went to UTEP, we went to Help me out. What are the other two schools? All right. So let me see if I can do this in order. It was, it was uh, Western New Mexico State, North Texas, UTEP. Um, I feel like I'm missing one. Well, Texas more. State was non-conference. Texas um, State. And then, so we're missing one conference game. Uh, Charlotte, um, Charlotte. 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 Um, okay. Um, UTEP was the coolest. I mean, this. The, the backdrop of the stadium um, was definitely the coolest spot. I mean, um, North Texas um, was a nice stadium, um, but UTEP was the coolest backdrop. And That's then, what I'd say. And, and the then new conference. The, yeah. The new conference. Um, I mean, I'm most interested in seeing what Liberty looks like. Never been there. Um, okay. And, and obviously, it comes with, you know, uh, recent success and, 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 and what they've been doing and their trajectory has been um, exciting to see uh, from an athletic department and football uh, standpoint. So I'm excited to see what their, their stuff looks like, which is great, great opportunity for me when I get to go on the road is we have this chance to go and, and tour a lot of facilities, these places um, to kind of see what they're doing and, and take that back to us. So, so we were able to do that um, specifically at, at Charlotte and North Texas. I remember this past year, we in Texas state in that non-conference game, we got to see a lot of cool stuff. So, I'm interested to do that at, in Lynchburg. That'd be cool. Uh, Dan, I'll go and give you some friendly advice. I do not think there's anybody left on the roster who made the trip in 2019. If there is, I will yeah. have you ask them about the flight from South Florida to Roanoke, which was very eventful and lives in FIU lore. Um, even my flight, <laughs> even my flight, Dan, from uh, Charlotte to Lynchburg, it, it's I, I hope you're not someone who's scared of flying, but just I, I, AJ, AJ can tell you, ask AJ Ricketts about the flight yeah. from, from South Florida to Roanoke. And the second thing I will tell you about, uh, about Liberty Williams stadium, phenomenal facilities. Uh, it's beautiful right there on the Hill. Um, uh, I would say stick to generic American food. That, that's, that's my, uh, my advice. <laughs> yeah. I, I, right. I, I, I went with the Thai food in, in Lynchburg a few years back and uh, it, it was not the best experience. Smart. You got to be better than that, man. <laughs> you are hundred percent correct, Joe. I'll yeah. let you close this one up, buddy. Sorry. I'm trying my throat hurts. So I'm trying not to laugh at the idea of you eating Thai food in Lynchburg, Virginia, but Dan, <laughs> we can't thank you enough uh, for giving us a couple minutes to talk about the jerseys. They look great. The campaign was a lot of fun and uh, hope the season is uh, as, as, non-eventful in a good way as it can be for you and hopefully we'll talk to you again uh, sometime in the future 
All right. Thank you guys so much for having me. I appreciate it. Yeah, no problem. All right. All right. That's going to do it for today. We'll be back next week with two more episodes, two episodes every week. Uh, follow at G5 Football Daily on Instagram and TikTok for clips from the show. You know, next week we might have uh, some other updates just regarding our uh, coverage plans in general for the 2023 season, which, guys, that starts next weekend. Crazy. This summer kind of flew by. Might not agree with me on that one, but to me it feels like it flew by. Anyway, uh, if you want to follow Eric, Eric C. Henry underscore on Twitter, X, whatever. Uh, I'm at J-O-E-H-I-O underscore. We'll be back next week, guys. Happy football watching, everybody.